Hello, my name is Tawana Shante, and welcome to the Freedom Agent Journey podcast, where we'll be discussing an array of stories, conversations with amazing artists, entrepreneurs, writers, educators, and thought-provoking spiritual leaders. So grab your pen, paper, juice, coffee, or tea, whatever you choose. This is a peaceful space for you to be inspired to be a proud freedom agent. I'm always asked, what's a freedom agent? It's an individual willing to break down barriers, to be a catalyst for change. And I always say, it's just as simple as that. I'm excited about you being on the Freedom Agent Journeys podcast. And I always share with people, the reason for me doing this podcast for me was for, um, actually for myself, um, to to just speak to people who are doing, I think, uh, amazing things. And um, I always share with people, for me, the freedom agent came about because it's just an individual who's willing to break down barriers uh, to be a, a catalyst for positive change. And it doesn't matter what it is that you do. And I think um, so often um, the, the, the people who are doing, I feel amazing and extraordinary things are just uh, amazingly ordinary people, <laughs> you know, who are really using their, um, their platforms, you know, to share and uplift and inspire. And so I mm-hmm. want to share this with you. So, I want to say I'm excited um, to all of um, uh, the Freedom Agent audience out there to have JJ Timms. Uh, I would say um, she's, well, she's known as Mississippi Diva. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she's performed all over the U.S. and, um, and 28 countries. Wow. Yeah, oh yeah I think at last time I counted it was 28. I have a feeling I'm missing one up in there. I think I didn't count Norway because Norway was like one of those ones that just happened and I, 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 I'm not sure but I, I, I know it's at least 28. Well that's amazing. You know, <laughs> except, you know 28 eight countries and um, and you're showing no signs of slowing down. So I first want to say welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for for being um, a part of this and I look forward to uh, our fruitful conversation that I know we're going to have. It's always just organic. And I always say, we just let, um, just let the, the spirit move. And also just what, you know, just let it flow how it comes. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I want to start um, by talking about um, how did you, how did you um, develop your music, you know, career? So how did, how did it, how did it start? Where did it begin? There's like, three or four parts to that but uh, (laughs) um the the uh, bio answer the biography answer is um you know i I started um um classical training at at the age of nine and then um ended up you know going into jazz training at 15 and um started going to um well uh was signing up or not signing up but being assigned to warner brothers at the age of 15 for um kind of like uh you know it was during the time of all the the the, the girls coming out so yeah. you had beyonce you know well you had um uh, not beyonce but um uh, destiny child you had monica brandy you know all of those people were coming out all at the same time um jessica simpson um um, um what's her name lord help me <laughs> um uh, Christina Aguilera, you know, it was all the same. Yeah. So, you know, the young girl, the young 15, 16 year old girl was like the big thing during that time. And so, um, I was offered a deal with Warner brothers that my, my father was not, you know, trying to let me have. 
but um and it was one of the best decisions that could have ever happened because uh, i wasn't ready mm. and they would have created what they wanted versus me being able to become an organic artist and uh, with my own identity but um that was what started the bug that's when i kind of realized wait i might have something that can be marketed and i might be able to have a career doing this up until that point i don't think that i ever had it in my head that i really wanted to be you know an artist in that capacity so um no i didn't i didn't you know i wasn't the kid that grew up and said i'm gonna grow up and i'm gonna be famous and i'm gonna sing yeah, I wasn't, yeah. That, yeah that wasn't me and so it wasn't until i was about 15 and that happened that i you know i was discovered in a grocery store and that was when i was like i might have something here you know and um from there, you know, I went to, um, um, you know, that was also during the, the Love Jones mm, movement, yeah. you know, the poetry <laughs> movement, the spoken word movement. So um, as a 15, 16 year old, that was pretty much the, that was one of those places that I could get into, you know, without a problem. And so I started frequenting all of the, uh, the poetry spots, you know, and I always wrote poetry, but I had never gotten into spoken word until the whole Love Jones thing and Slam came out and, you know, all of that. And so um, I started doing that. And then I ended up uh, hosting at a place there, um, you know, in Detroit. And then I was uh, introduced to hip hop at that point, you know. And so then, of course, that was when you had um foxy brown and, yes, Kim yes. and you know that so it, it was the ladies time for okay. hip-hop you know eve and, and so with that you know of course um everyone's kind of like hey can you rap i'm like if i can write poetry and i i can rap so i did that and um so i got into the hip-hop world and then signed my first deal at 18 for hip-hop um well 17 actually because i graduated from high school and then signed that deal and so um from there you know ended up moving down south and moving down south that was where I tell people my career actually started all of those other bands I mean and I was in a, a um when I was 13 I was in a gospel uh group you know called Zoe with me and two other girls one of the girls um well three other girls and one of the girls uh is actually um uh, Tammy Franklin's little sister, so Kirk Franklin's wife. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so we uh, um, had that group, and then I was in a punk rock group, and so you know, I was just trying all types of different music, and so I I, I go that far back to tell, basically, because it was the foundation of my sound, the foundation of my music, which is yeah, I'm a blues artist but there's all of these other genres that are wrapped in because of me being um, exposed to so many different types of music. Right. So, you know, me moving to Mississippi gave me the blues, you know, <laughs> it gave me, it taught me the blues, <laughs> gave me the blues, taught me the blues. I would say, it can give it to you too, girl. Yeah, you know, but um, it was a true um beginning of of i didn't really know anything about the blues i really didn't know a whole lot about uh funk or r&b you know tr like traditional r&b i mean i was so that was so new to me mm -hmm. so you know coming to mississippi and um uh being introduced like kind of just thrown into you know the industry um singing backgrounds for blues artists and all these different types of things at 18 
I was introduced to a whole nother sound, Southern soul. I was like, Southern what? What's that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what kind of music? Why are those real horns? No. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, I mean, that was total, yeah, you know, total different. So I was once again introduced to more music. Right. And, um, but blues was, um, I, I, I discovered was the root of it all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with me being a root person, I have to get to the root cause of everything. Um, I fell in love with it, you know, and uh, it was strange to me. It was new to me, but I fell in love with it. And that was the beginning of my career was in Mississippi. Talk about where, where you were born and, and, and like mm -hmm. raised for a while. Like, <laughs> well, I am originally from um, Oakland County. Uh, Michigan. So I was born in Pontiac, Michigan. Um, I, I, I lived in Pontiac until I was nine years old. And then we moved to um, Troy, which is basically another suburb, but it's about 20 minutes, uh, 20 miles north of Detroit. And, um, you know, affluent, upscale, um, not a whole lot. Of, well, there it was actually Oakland County was, I'm not sure that it still is, but it, at the time, um, in the 80s and 90s, that was one of, if not the most, I can't remember, but it was one of the most diverse, uh, ethnically diverse um, counties in the United States. I, I did grow up in the church. Um, my father is a pastor now. He wasn't at the time. He was an executive for General Motors. And my mother was in the medical field, um, uh, mental health, you know, and uh, social work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you can always tell, you know, mental health and, and psychology kids, you know, we're, we're a little. Girl, we're, don't you get, I know, girl. I know. Don't we're a little know. different. I, you know, I just learned something about you today. That is so interesting. Yeah, my mom. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because, I mean, like, for instance, I'm looking at our clothes right now. I mean, we seem like we. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> and then, I, you know, in, 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 commem uh, in commemoration. Oh, my gosh. Of, I just. <laughs> So I had to wear my freedom shirt. I know. But, um, so let me do it. With that being said, like the, the influence though of growing up not far from, you know, of course, like Detroit, mm -hmm. um, did that have the, the influence too on the music in terms of, you know, Motown and the whole thing? I'm sure everybody, you know, a lot of times I hear people of the stories when I'm listening to uh, or reviewing documentaries, they'll say that influence of people who grew up in Michigan. Uh, Detroit, Michigan, like that influence of that. Song. For me, um, no. Well, For me, no. Um, I was again. I was. I was in a whole different world, you know. And so the world that I was in was classical music, and I, you know, I was, I was, um, I started singing when I was, I don't know, four or five. And, you know, I went to Montessori schools and they, you know, pulled my parents aside and said, look, she's got a, this, she's got a real talent for music. She has an ear and she also has, um, um, a, a, she has a, the ability to pick up languages very well. So you need to probably, you know, really, um, nurture this, you know? And so they were really encouraging my parents to put me in, um, you know, things that were for creative arts, you know? whether it was uh, visual arts or, or uh, foreign languages and, you know, so on and so forth. That was where I, I, I flourished. And so, and music. And so um, that's, that's how that started. It was, it was teachers that kind of pointed that out to my parents. But 
um, you know, my father grew up in the Jim Crow area, you know, Jim Crow area, Jim Crow era, you know, during the Jim Crow times. Um, he was born in 47. And so my father was, and then my grandmother ran a juke joint, um, you know, uh, where basically everybody stayed, uh, Bobby Blueland and all those guys, they actually stayed with my grandmother. She had a, a, a boarding house and a juke joint. And my father growing up in that environment was adamantly against me doing anything in the music field. Um, adamantly because, you know, his, his whole ideology was, you know, basically only thing that black folks were thought to be able to do was to catch a ball and sing a song and tap dance. <laughs> Those are words. And I was like, daddy, ain't nobody tap dancing. What are you talking about? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, tap dance? I don't know. I'm not a dancer. What do you mean? Like, yeah, but he was so, like, that was a big deal to him. And it was because of what he saw. You know, it was the environment that he saw. And it was the the botchery that he saw. Later on, he started telling me stories about, you know, his mother shooting people and, you know, hitting men over the head with logs and, you know, people... Um, you know, him hearing, you know, uh, people in the next room, you know, and their uh, midnight trysts, <laughs> you know, and he could hear all of that. Right. right, right and right. so for him, it was like, I don't want my daughter anywhere near that. And but that was that was my gifting, you know. So um, Detroit did not really have much to do, you know, Motown sound and all that didn't really have much to do with my my sound at all. Okay. Honestly, um, I wasn't exposed to it. I didn't grow up in a house where secular music was really played. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't hear old schools, oldies, and stuff like that. You know, every once in a while, um, I would I could get my hands on like some Al Green. You know what I'm saying? My dad had an Al Green CD, yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I would listen to that over and over again. But most of the songs that I learned that were secular were from my dad going around and singing certain stuff. You mm-hmm. know um like you know he would I if I had a hammer I'd hammer in the morning you know and I was like I was just you know I'm a daddy's girl I'll be following up behind and I'm just soaking it up and so <laughs> as I got yeah, see yeah you're just soaking it up but no that's that is so I didn't mean to interrupt you but that's no good you know this at the same thing I mean I, I my musical I think influence outside of you know my mother was more of the one with the um she was one more, you know, where I would get all my gospel. I learned mm-hmm. Jackson, mm-hmm. Um, and she played the piano. So of course, all the kids be in the neighborhood, and next thing you know, you hear somebody, dum, 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 and I'm like, oh, right, not today, mom. Like you know, and you hear her singing. <laughs> but my dad was more of the one where I mean, it was my introduction to blues and country and things like mm-hmm. that, you know, because you know, I did Nelson and we did Memphis High. You know, Dolly Parton. You know, I mean, these are the songs that we, you know, and and the same thing that Johnny Taylor. You know, I would be hearing all of this. So it's just so it's so uh, interesting to hear you say that. Just to say that, you know, my my dad was kind of my introduction to what you would call like um, the music that I wasn't um, that he would play outside. You know, just in his uh-huh. morning work or in the evening. So that's that's mm-hmm. interesting. Our connection with that. Okay. Yeah. 
And it wasn't, you know, I mean, typically I was hearing Winans and Rance Allen and, you know, stuff like that. That's what my dad would play in the car. But every now and again, he would sing something. And like, for instance, I remember he he was walking around the house and don't you mess with my tutu. And I, you know, I start laughing and he's like, oh, I shouldn't be singing that around you. I shouldn't be singing that around you. And I, you know, and I had no clue what he was talking about. I thought it was funny. And then he was, you know, put on your high heel sneakers and put your wig up on your head. And so I remember all those songs and it wasn't until I was bartending as an adult, well, of course, at Burgers and Blues that I was hearing in, in, in Ridgeland, Mississippi, they were playing, you know, blues on the, you know, the overhead speakers. And it was like songs that he used to sing little bits and pieces around the house that I would sing with him, not knowing what they were, who they were by, who the artists were or anything that as I was bartending, I would hear these songs and I'm standing there like, that was a real song? I thought he made that up. Like, you know, like, it was crazy. Yeah. So, 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 um, you know, then fast forward, you, you come to Mississippi, you all in Mississippi, the influence that you, you had, you know, that it gave you um, in terms of, you know, the blues. When were you ready? When, when did you say, you know what, I am ready to make this move and, and go into blues? Like, how did that transition come about? Like you say, you, of course, you had, you know, you have a diverse palette of music, but you also wanted to be like, hmm, I'm going to try blues, you know. When was that moment where you say, you know what, I'm going to do it? Well, you know, I was, um, I met um, Cap Calloway, Harrison Cap Calloway. I met him when I was, oh, let me see. I was, I was 18. I started singing, well, the way that I actually um, even got on the music scene in Mississippi, because I didn't know anybody. When I moved to Mississippi, I knew no one, not one soul, not anybody. And we lived out on the reservoir and I was away from everybody. Like, you know, I just, I didn't see any black people at all. So, you know, I was like, Please give me a uh, direction to where I can find some black people. <laughs> you know, and then the only thing that, you know, I knew about Mississippi was, you know, Ku Klux Klan and, and, and people getting hung. And, you know, I didn't know anything about Mississippi. That was the only viewpoint I had of Mississippi. I had never been to Mississippi. I had never, you know, so we're living out here. And it was, it was kind of, I don't, it, it was a culture shock, you mm -hmm. know, so um, I remember asking my mom, like, she, she basically was like, you need to get out the house. And I'm like, and go where? You know, I don't see anything but a bunch of fields. Like, where am I going? You know, and so she was like, go to the mall or something. And mind you, I was a mother at that point. I was a, a single mom. I was a teen mom. Okay. So, you know, she's like, you know, you and the baby just need to get out. And I'm just like, I don't know where I'm going. And I, you know, so she told me about the mall. Now, mind you, we lived, you know, out on, on a reservoir and there was a closer mall. She was trying to tell me how to get to that mall. Somehow I had figured out how to get to Metro. Oh, and, okay. Okay. And so yeah. I can't remember how, but I figured out how to get to Metro. So I drove all the way out to Metro, but Metro actually wasn't that, I mean, it was far, but it wasn't as far as I was, girl, I was going all the way around the Mulberry Bush because I didn't know where I was going. And so, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I ended up going to Metro and of course that's where all the black people were. So I'm like, okay, finally I see people that look kind of like me. Great. You know, so I'm walking through this mall and I started going to the mall every single day. 
because I did not know anything else to do. So I went to the mall. I would put, I would dress my baby all up, you know, put on his nice little hymns and everything, you know, and go to the mall. Well, it was a guy that was working at the two-way pager store, girl. Two-way pager. Yes, Yes, I did. Motorola two-way page me. Okay. (laughs) And so, (laughs) and you know, I would walk past him every day. So finally he looked at me and was like, okay, I've seen you every day. How you doing? You know, so we start talking and, you know, then we start talking, yeah. talking, you know, oh. talking, talking. We were talking at first and being friends. And then he convinced me to buy a Motorola two-way pager. And of course, he's the only other person that I knew who had a two-way pager. So we start talking. So, you know, um, and by this point I had enrolled in Mississippi College. So I'm meeting some people, but, you know, still not a musical. I had, I had come from a place where I was in a musical community. And right. so I did not have that. And, um, so him knowing that I was classically and jazz trained and, you know, he, I started talking to him about my dreams and goals and aspirations and blah, blah, blah. On Valentine's day, he took me to ham and he, he, we sat on the front row and for your listeners, Hamps was like this place. (laughs) Yeah. Hamps was this hole in the wall. But it was where the best music on the face of the planet was played. This band had been playing there for 20 years. To, and they had been um, in a band together for, I think it was like 25 years. And called Wind Chimes. And they had traveled around the world and all of these different types of things. And so these guys were like a mixture of Maze and Frankie Beverly and... Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Isley Brothers, like, all smashed together. You know what I'm saying? Just so amazing. I mean, amazing musicians. And I had never heard music played to that level of, of um, professionalism and in that group. I mean, like, I had never heard it. So we're sitting here on this date, and I'm not paying him any attention I'm just like dancing in my chair. I'm just, right. I'm like, feeling like I'm about to explode because this is the best music I'd ever heard in my life, you know? And so I asked the guys to, for me, you know, can I come sit in with you? And they're like, yeah, what do you know, girl? I knew nothing. Okay. And they were actually looking at me like, where are you from? Because I was like, well, I mean, I guess, you know, I, I was like, you know, I sing jazz standards. I, I, I feel you though. I'm so yeah, yeah, I knew nothing, nothing. And so I was like, I sing jazz standards. And they were like, yeah, they're looking around like, that's not going to work here. <laughs> so <laughs> so they were like, well, what else do you know? I was like, well, I know Aretha Franklin. They're like, okay, that works. I, they were like, what song? I was like, um, say a little prayer for you. And they were like, yeah, that's not going to work here. And so they were like, well, why don't you come to the rehearsal next week and then we'll get you up. So I come to the rehearsal the following week and I wrote a song because I didn't know any better. As far as I, I Girl, coming I from know. the that's, jazz world, you, you write original songs. That's what you do. You know what I'm saying? They were looking at me like, um, you didn't learn a, a cover. We, we told you a bunch of people learn covers, but I was like, no, I just wrote a song. And they were looking at me like, this girl is crazy, you know? So, Long story short, I, I, they learned a song and I um, found like this hip hop track, you know, how you remember how you could get CDs that had a, 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 a track on the other side, mm-hmm. you know, the, the instrumental on the you other know, side. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I had a hip hop track and I wrote a song to it 
and they learned it and it was called um um what was it i can't remember anyway it it was <laughs> it was a song that kind of was like attitude you know yeah. you you don't owe me you can't tell me what i'm about to do type thing and so kind of like a tyrone mm-hmm. and performed it at hams the following week and um but well the the next day i performed it at hams got a standing ovation crowd went absolutely crazy wow. I started coming in every week, um, every Wednesday and performing with them. I came to the rehearsals on Tuesday. I performed with them every Wednesday for a month and then Hamp hired me. And I actually performed with them for six months, six years. And um, before I moved away from Mississippi, but that was my training. And then that's where um, all of the blues artists started to find me. And I started singing backgrounds for Denise LaSalle and, and Peggy Scott Adams and Marvin Teese and all those different types of people. They've all, I was yeah. making all my connections out of there. And then I started doing the festivals. I did the Lynch Street Festival. I did the, um, the Fair Street Festival. Um, you know, I mean, it was just, so that was, that was like your, your, um, you know, your opportunity in terms of you just, um, like planting, you know, planting your seed. And yeah. Yeah. And then I was introduced to um, Andy Hardwick and Andy Hardwick is a legend. You know, he's an absolute 100% jazz legend, but um, he used to play saxophone and he played for Carmen McRae and Ike and Tina Turner and all these different people. And so I ended up being his vocalist and I was at the Hilton singing with him in the lobby four nights a week. And so it just, all of a sudden I had become like this full-time artist, you know, and Mm -hmm. And I was singing, you know, backgrounds at Malico and I mean, just all of this stuff. And I was like 19 years old, you know, and so I fell into it, but I still was doing like, I mean, you know, and then I found seven studios. I I ended up stumbling on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we met. (laughs) And, um, you know, so then Ezra and I became very close. And so I was always at seven and then that gave me a place where I was able to still do hip hop and neo soul and I was discovering neo soul and and you know blues and I was just just stretching out and right. and finding my identity you know musical identity well, isn't something how what you what you expect or, or something that you're thinking that you're supposed to be you know uh, doing and then here comes something else to say hey try this lane it, it was more so you know, I left Mississippi and, you know, we can, well, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into why I left Mississippi, but, you know, ultimately I ended up leaving Mississippi and I went back to Detroit. And once I got to Detroit, I started, you know, once again, singing, I ended up being a part of a reggae rock band and toured with them for, you know, off and on for about seven years. But, and then I kind of aged out of it, you know, and I mean, the way that I knew that I aged out of it, we had gone on tour. I mean, we were like constantly on the road. And, um, you know, that's how I, I got the experience with like Slightly Stupid and Expendables and, and Fishbone and, you know, all of that. I was touring with all of them. And um, I remember we were in North Dakota and I was <laughs> on stage and, you know, we did a lot of um, crowd surfing. You know, it's, it's, it's rock and, you know, everybody's high and, you know, whatever. So, like, you know. So we did a lot of crowd surfing. And I remember thinking to myself, I was getting ready to run and jump out in the crowd and stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, <laughs> if these people drop me, Girl, I'm thinking it now, like, yeah. I got bills to pay. I got kids at the house and I got bills to pay. <laughs> like, I cannot afford these people to drop me. And then that's when I realized it's time for me to retire from this because I didn't got, old, I didn't got too old. I can't. I'm sorry. You were good. You know, 
Well, I just, I wasn't able to, to do what was required to right, be right, that right. genre anymore. Right. And I, I started having a sense of responsibility and it wasn't about the partying. It wasn't about the drinking and, and, you know, smoking dope. It was like, I, I, I was, it was time to grow up. And I realized that that genre for me, and then also with me being a woman, by that point I was in my mid twenties and I was aging out. Isn't you know, I know. Now the men can be eighty <laughs> with dreadlocks to the floor, but you know, women, you you get twenty five, thirty. They like, okay, go find something else to do. But you know, I also find that that for me, also, it seems that way too. In certain, um, like in R and B, you know, it's, it's like oh, absolutely, and pop, R&B, yeah, R and B, pop, yeah, type of genre where it's kind of like you're you hit thirty and they think, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? You have you're so like, old. Oh, you're so old. Oh, you know, don't you need to go and sing something else? Yeah, like you need yeah. to sing, you know, you know adult contemporary. I know. Yeah. I know. So it yeah. is kind of really, you know, interesting, you know, in that way. Um, you know, just in in in, in what you're expressing expressing to me. So you moved into you know um, um, blues. Um, how was it in terms of? Or how would you say in terms of us just talking about this? Like. Um, the music industry has its highs and lows. You know, it has complexities in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what would you say has been one of the things that um, that have kept you grounded? Honestly, it was by any means necessary. You know, I didn't have a plan B. Mm-hmm. I refused to have a plan B. And basically it was, this is what it's going to be and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen, period. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a blues artist. And at the time I was in my, I want to say mid twenties. I was, I think I wanted, I, I was maybe 20, 25, 20. Yeah. About that. And 24, 25. And I think that that's when I was just kind of like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a blues artist. And I started taking this and I started planning it out and you know, I, the guys that I was working with in Detroit, you know, they came in and they learned a few songs. We recorded Boom, Boom, Boom by John Lee Hooker. We recorded uh, Shaky Ground. You know, we recorded some of these songs and I just started building, you know, the 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 brand. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of your, your Instagram posts and mm-hmm. um, you share a lot about your faith mm-hmm. and how it is really um, just as uh, it's who you are. You know, that's what I get from, from your post, mm-hmm. you are, and um, you don't shy around from um, your love for Christ. And uh, I think it's, it's beautiful. How do you merge that um, with, with, with the blues? When do you ever have anyone ask you and say, you know what, but you sing the blues. You know, you know? If you're talking, if, if you're singing a song and you're, you're singing this song in order to talk about your experiences, um, you're also going to talk about the, the only difference between blues and gospel is that one is talking about everyday experiences and your relationship with humans. And one is talking about your experience and relationship with God, but it's the same music. It's literally the same music. It comes from the same place. Um, and, and one, like, once again, is giving glory to God and one is giving glory to men. Yeah. basically and, and i guess I, I ask that too because oftentimes if you think about the you know the, the robert johnson you know the the, the tale that he went you mm-hmm. know soul to soul yeah soul to soul to the devil you know so it's always been this kind of um uh this kind of superstitions this kind of 
you know, wave of people thinking, you know, these two merges of, 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 of blues and gospel, you know, it's almost been that simple music, you know what I mean? And so, um, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I find that contrast really, really interesting. And I think you're absolutely right. I, I truly feel the same way. I feel like they're, you know, I think they're parallel. I think when you think about blues music and especially even with me, when I've seen um, uh, you perform, that's true powerhouse spiritual connection, period. I mean, it's your identity. And I think that the, the, the problem with most um, artists, but not just artists, just people as a whole, you know, we're lacking authenticity. Mm. And authenticity is how we truly connect. Because if I'm not going to tell my truth and you're not going to tell your truth, then we really can never connect on a soul level. Right. you know, or a spiritual level, because it's, it's a lie. It's mass. It's a farce. Right. So ultimately people today and people always have been looking for someone to connect with someone that can sing their story, someone that, you know, their music can be a soundtrack playing underneath their lives. Um, someone that can, can, can identify and sing their heart song. But in order for you to do that, you have to be in a place of authenticity. You have to be honest. Right. And the honest truth is I am a Christian. I am a believer. I, you know, I, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, period. And it is right. at the core of who I am. Right. It's the core of my beliefs is everything is about the kingdom of God as far as I'm concerned. Right. So ultimately my music is going to reflect that. I'm still talking about my experiences, but at the core of it all, it's still going to, and so people are like, your music is so uplifting, your music, I mean, but I'm like, well, God is in it. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I well, hope you don't leave depressed. Otherwise I'm not doing something right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and people are like, how do you sing positive blues? I'm like, I mean, it just is what it is. Yeah. You know, it's me. And so when you, as an artist, wear your heart on your sleeve and you tell your truth, you're going to identify with people. You're going to change people's lives. You're right. Um, and you, you also talk, I want to say congratulations. You also talk about, um, um, uh, I've seen, you know, you post about your sobriety. Uh, yes. So yes, how, yes. How, how many, how many, how long has it been now? Uh, it's been eight months. Um, oh, the well, that's yeah, that's really? no, no, <laughs> no, no, really. I, I you know, ah, you just don't. That's so amazing. That that was that was really. Uh, you would not do it. You will not look. I had to tell myself when I be. <laughs> don't you stop crying. I, I will not. I will not do it. I'm not gonna. And you're not gonna make me do that. <laughs> but there we go. That was when I saw that post. That was the moment where I was like, wow, she, uh, for you to share that, do you know how many people, girl, that you- Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I totally understand when a lot of times when, when um, people say, well, you didn't have to share this and you didn't have to share that, you know, because I mean, I, I went through my divorce out loud, you know, I talked about it all the way through and, you know, what I was feeling and, you know, I was- you know, sharing stuff about, I don't feel like I get out of bed today. I pulled the covers over my head. Uh, I wish to, but you know, I got birds outside my, my window, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, twerk, chirping. I wish I had a BB gun. Like, I mean, I was literally going through it, but it was people behind the scenes that there were people behind the scenes that were sending me emails and saying, 
oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing this. I'm going through a divorce right now. I thought I was all alone. You gave me some hope today. You made me feel like it's okay for me not to get out of bed today. Every, all my family's telling me to get over it, but I'm like, nah, grieve that out. Like, girl, stay in bed, whatever. Like, you know, I mean, and the fact of the matter that you, maybe if you just get up and brush your teeth, you did something today. Good job. You know what I'm saying? So, that type of thing. And so with, you know, dealing with sobriety, I mean, I was alcoholic, you know? And, and so a lot of times people say, well, it's an ongoing journey. For me, honestly, um, you know, I, 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 all glory and all honor goes to God completely. It was literally prayer and a deliverance that happened for me. It wasn't a situation of, you know, um, I, I didn't go to 12 steps. I didn't go to AA. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's the steps that you take. God bless you. And I think that that's amazing. Whatever it takes in order for you to get free, I support 100%. I'm behind you. I'm cheering with you and praying for you. For me, it was literally a surrendering and saying, God, I can't, but you can. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. And then it was taking my happy self to therapy and finding out why I was an alcoholic in the first place. Say that and again. It was, you did what? I went to therapy. Oh. You know? <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I said a prayer and I got free. And, you know, and yeah, the, the taste didn't, I didn't have the desire like I had before. But then I had to follow it up with doing the self-work, the soul work to figure out what was my problem? What was my damage? And why was I doing this to myself in the first place? And I think that a lot of times when it comes to the traditional church um, and, and people who, who are believers, you know, they have this ideology and, or even people who are that are in other religions, they have this ideology that, you know, all I need is God and all I need is, you know, my, my, my meditation or my positive, you know, my crystals or whatever it is that you subscribe to, you think that's all you need. And that's not true. You need to do the soul work. You need to figure out your traumas and what happened and why do you exhibit the behavior that you do? Yes. Get to the bottom of that and go through the healing and then your behavior will change. Wow. Your, your results will be different. And so I had quit drinking so many times throughout my life. I mean, I, you know, basically had a problem since I was about 15 years old. And so, you know, I, I, I'd stopped every time I, I got pregnant, you know, I had three children. Um, I'd stopped every time that I got pregnant with my children. I didn't drink throughout my pregnancy. So I knew it was possible. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Figure out, you know, I could do it for somebody else. I could do it for my children, but I couldn't do it for myself. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm. That was my issue. And I had to do a lot of work. You know, I did a lot of therapy hours. And um, it was one of the best things I could have ever done because now the sobriety sticks. Yeah. And you know, and it's because I dealt with the other stuff that was causing me to want, you know, that I was looking to substances in order to numb and to, to escape from. Mm. And, um, it, you know, traumas, you know, lots of childhood traumas. You know, I, I was, a, a, I was abused as a child. I was sexually abused, emotionally, mentally abused, you know? So, I mean, a lot of that, you know, I was bullied and, um, I had, you know, uh, rejection issues and abandonment issues. And I mean, just girl. It's a plethora of things that you Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. all types of stuff. And so getting to the bottom of all of that, 
you know, um, not wanting to feel and, and having um, um, detachment stuff going on and um, um, just, just all, all types of things that I needed to learn. I needed to learn how to deal with my emotions and, you know, and I hid behind music for so long and I, I, but music was my saving grace. I think that without music, I probably would have killed myself a long time ago. And and let me ask you this, JJ, do you think too, a lot of times, you know, even as artistry, as you, as you run that, there are so many, you know, you find a lot of artists that actually numb themselves as well through many different mechanisms, of course, you know, whether it's alcohol, drugs, um, and you just said it, the most a really important thing just about um you, you said music was end up being a saving grace um do you think also music for some can be part of the the part that kind of because also you know seeking something outside of yourself most of the time mm-hmm. fame or whatever that it is it might be it's kind of like you know that numbs you as well because it, it's, it gives you this sense of artificial love oh people they love me they love me you know what i mean that, that kind of so the most hurtful thing that ever happened was you know I, I'm, I'm pushing, I'm striving, I'm working five jobs, I'm hustling, I'm grinding, I'm doing all of these different types of things in order to get my career. Then boom, I get the, the record deal. Boom, my album comes out. While I'm actually on a six month tour in the Caribbean, boom, you know, a week later, I'm, I'm number three on the you know, Billboard album charts. Boom, it stays there 12 weeks, 13 weeks, 15 weeks, 20 weeks, you know, and then I'm, I have radio play and then I'm in France and then I'm in Belgium. And then I mean, and I'm like, my, my career is just going boom, 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 boom. You know, my videos on BET, I'm BET Music Matter artist. I mean, like all of these things are happening. And I was so empty. My dreams were coming true. Everything that I had fought for and grinded for. And then I started to become afraid because it was like, if this doesn't make me happy, Mm. then what? And so people always look at celebrities and say, well, you know, um, I would, man, if it was me, I would never, you know, I wouldn't kill myself. I mean, I can't believe that this person killed themselves. How are they going to take their life? How how is this person going to be strong out on drugs? You have everything in the world, everything that we trying to have because they don't have everything that you're, that you have a family, you have love, you have people that actually care about you because of you being you, your messed up little self, you being you, they love you because of you. Right. once you get into the limelight, you don't know who loves you for you. I had no clue. You know, like, it was like, people were being nice to me, but are you being nice to me because you saw me on BET? Are you being nice to me because, you know, you, you see me rocking stages or because you actually like me? Yeah. You know, do you really care about my issues and my problems? I mean, like, you know, and what I discovered was like, I was dating people and they wanted me to be jj Timms that they saw you know on tv or on a you know on on a, a billboard or wherever wherever they saw me yeah, yeah, you yeah. know that's what they wanted and then when they realized i was a real person with real issues real feelings you know i i took off makeup at the end of the day and i have real skin real right. <laughs> you know yeah. that weren't green you know what i'm saying all of these different things you know i took my wig off and you know i have real hair <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like this is me. right. Once I took off my waist trainer, I had a real <laughs> butt that came from having real babies. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, hey, look, if it's like me, it's a real stress marks too. You know what I'm saying? And that once I took the bra off, I kicked them joinkles across the room. Yes, like I was real. And like, yeah, these, yeah. these guys were just like 
okay, that wasn't what I signed up for. And you're looking like, okay, you got a mama. Does your mama look like she going to church every day when she get home? Like, I mean, you know, so it was just this superficiality that was happening. And you're looking like, who's really for me? Like, who really is about me, you know? And um, obviously, I'm not a Beyonce, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Kurt Cobain, you know what I'm saying? But I on my level understand their level and the industry is an industry once you're in this industry I mean like literally it's a one degree separation one to three degree it's not even six degrees mm-hmm. like you know what I'm saying like I mean literally I can pick up the phone right now and get in contact with Kanye West it's like and it's just because of where once you're in this industry, you're in the industry, especially once you get to Hollywood and all that type of stuff. Like you're, you're just yeah. in the industry and it's a very small industry. Everybody knows everybody. It just is. And so it's like, we, we're all in the same messed up boat. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like you're all sitting there and saying, is this it? Yeah. This is, this, this can't be life. There's gotta be more, yeah. you know? And so in, in coming full circle, that's kind of what even, more established me in my faith because it was like you know I'm not gonna make it Mm. if if this is all this is this superficiality and backstabbing and 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 rumors and all the same people dating all the same people and sleeping with all the same people and ew you know what I'm saying it's like if that's what this is if that's all this is I'm not gonna make it Yeah. yeah I need more I have to have more yeah. you know and um i have people all the time you know that send me all kind of stuff in my inbox you know i mean some people it's it's i love your faith it's amazing thank you so much and there's some people like god is dead okay whatever yeah you should you know okay do you do you do you right and and um i you know i also think even just with you talking and, and like you said having that and understanding um the the faith it, it also showcases you know once you get your, your inner um your inner self together you know it showcases mm-hmm. on the outside um it does make a difference like you know once we begin to i think uh work on like you said healing and, and taking mm-hmm. a step on the inner work um it it, it 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 just naturally comes outside you know what i mean that, that yeah just shines, absolutely you know, um on the outside so what would you say um what would you say or, or, or advice? Oh, I would say, I would say, give me one um, just valuable lesson that you give to like an, a, uh, an emerging artist or artist is just thought of, if there was one thing you would just tell them like, and you would sit down because you said your master plan, what would you say to that person? There is a, an audience for who you truly are. Do not try to become something in order to gain fame, money, or a career. Um, Because who you are is enough. Mm. Your story is enough. Somebody needs your story. Um, You know, God was there when, when you were knitted together in your mother's womb you have an identity, you have a calling and you have a purpose and somebody needs your identity, your calling and your purpose. Be yourself, everybody else is taken. 
Like it's <laughs> it just <laughs> no, hold on. I just need to get the shot music again. Let me hit it right quick. No. <laughs> shot <music>. da, da, <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> no, that yes, that is so oh my gosh. That's mm, that's real talk. You have a purpose. And as an artist, your voice. Somebody needs your voice. Somebody needs your story. Somebody needs your style. And, you know, especially now, I mean, you have basically, what, 8 billion people um, that you have as an audience now. You know, it's not, you're not limited to, do not be a local artist. Do not limit yourself to being a local artist. In this, in today's age, in time, and because of our technology, nobody has to be a local artist. Yes. No one. You're right. You know? yes. And so you have to get out of the local artist mentality. Stop trying to be a big fish in a little pond. Like you have the whole ocean of the world to market yourself to. Right. Make the record. Don't you don't have to wait until you're good enough or perfect enough, whatever make the record, just record the record and put it out and learn how to promote on social media. Learn, there is, it actually is an art. It actually is a science. It's not just something that you just put out there and think that somebody's going to find you. You have to promote yourself, invest in yourself. If you won't invest in yourself, nobody else is going to invest in you. Don't try to, you know, run out here and get record deals. Record deals are not where it's at. You don't need a record deal. Put out your own music, promote your own music, do your own thing, create your own identity, create your own brand, study and show yourself approved, figure out exactly how to market your music. Because, I mean, there's courses out there. Matter of fact, I'll have one out in about a couple weeks. So, (laughs) right, um market yourself put yourself out there and uh, and and it's create your own lane somebody who wants to hear you you just got to find them that's it you have to be able to describe yourself and find them and learn how to do everything yourself learn how to make your own website learn how to make your own flyers learn how to do all those different things because the things that you're trying to pay people for literally youtube university will teach you everything that you need to know yes yes and you know what you you're absolutely so you're absolutely so right um i remember years ago um i was doing some you know some work and i um i paid someone to do something and of course it wasn't um it wasn't it turned out the way you wanted it yeah i was pissed i was like Happens all the time. I paid you to do this, right? Um, so I end up, you know, learning how to do it, uh, that particular thing myself. And you're so right. What I learned from that, um, once you get into something and once you sit down and be still in terms of, and, and, and have the discipline enough to, you know, to learn it, um, it's definitely rewarding. So you're absolutely correct. A lot of times. And nobody can take it. Nobody. And I, to, the, I, to this day, I, it, it's, an, it's empowering to me because it's like, I know how to do it. You know what I mean? Right. Like you just say all the aspects of, um, you know, even, you know, even with the, the the music business, it's like you have to know all the aspects. Be willing to go and, and get your hands dirty and do all of those things because it definitely make um, it definitely makes a difference. The, and and the last question in this too, for this particular um, part is, is you also 
speak about, um, I'm definitely an advocate of, um, of edu- you know, for, for education. And, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you speak a lot about your um, uh, autism, uh, mm. Asperger's, right? Asperger's. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I, I find interesting, you know, that, that was another one that I said, wow, we haven't come. You know, I, I wasn't diagnosed with Asperger's, but um, of course, growing up, I was um, diagnosed with that, what they called it a, a learning disability um, mm-hmm. throughout, you know, school. And so I knew the struggle of what it, you know, what, what comes easy for some people, you know, from the, um, there's certain things that, you know, aren't as easy for me. Like I'll get it, but it'll take me a little bit longer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of just, uh, um, um, I get the information, you know? Yeah. So, um, so when, when you spoke about that, uh, or when you share your story about that, um, as well, um, what made you want to share that as well? I mean, which I think is, it, it, is, um, it's really, of course, I think it's something, um, you know, amazing that you, you know, that you speak about because there are a lot um, of us that have like, and I want to put out to say, oh, these disabilities, I don't want to put, that's not so much why I call it disability. People all the time, I actually call it my superpower. Yeah. Um, I like that. You know, anyway. and, and the reason why is because it just means that my brain works differently. The way I think and function works differently. That's all, but it doesn't make mean that I'm any less. Um, matter of fact, that means that it, there's a lot of things that I actually do better than other people, but there's certain things that you know, yeah. other people do better than me, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, one my best friend, you know, she lives in New York and she, it's funny because forever she was introducing me to people and saying, this is JJ. She's really cool. She's awesome. She just don't listen good. So don't be like, you know, offended because she just, just genuinely doesn't listen good. And that was the way that she was explaining it to people so that they weren't feeling like, you know, they weren't feeling disrespected. But the truth of the matter is what happens a lot of times is I can become overstimulated mm-hmm. in environments. I mean, and, and a lot of times people could see me being in a, I could be at a show and when we take breaks, I'd go outside. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? While everybody else is mingling, I go outside because I, I couldn't really deal with all of the noise and as long as i'm singing and i'm 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 in you know dealing with music and i'm seeing colors and notes and all that type of stuff everything's great Mm -hmm. but as soon as it comes down to people come and start asking me questions like one of the things that i tend to do and i mean and now i'm I'm aware of it but for instance if somebody comes and asks me a question and it's small talk and it's something that i feel that i don't really need to answer i'll just stand there and look at them wait you say how they get offended no I'm sorry to stop you. The reason why I can I can connect with you that way, and I guess I brought up because I, I have a um, um, I had a friend. We used to, well, you know, our children grew up together, and mm-hmm. her son had um, Asperger's. Okay. So, yep. So everything that you're saying, I so get it. Like I had to go through that with him. Like when I would keep him or whatever, I had to re- like I had to learn all of those. Um, His nuances. Yeah, that's it. The nuance of what it is that you have to um, deal with. And because of my own experience, I was definitely, um, I was definitely, uh, I think more patient, you know, Mm -hmm. other people, you know, I bring them around my family, they were like, get his, you know, like, but you, you, you know, I was definitely able to be, um, you know, really patient with him. Um, Mm -hmm. And so everything that you're saying is so, I mean, I can definitely relate to that, you know, about yeah. 
he would have to do the same thing. Like, it would have to be like, hold up, bring it. He, he got to step away for a minute. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I mean, like, I was at a, um, this, this last November, you know, um, you know, and now I'm, I'm in a church community and, and typically I'm not around a bunch of people at all. I spend a lot of time all by myself and I'm perfectly happy doing it. And so, you know, I was invited to a, uh, a get together for Thanksgiving and I really don't celebrate holidays, but you know, so they invited me. So I was like, okay, I'll go. And so I tried to kind of like wait almost to the end. Like I was trying to wait to the almost end of the night. So I didn't have to stay so long. And and so what ended up happening, um, long story short, was I walked in and everybody and their mama was in this house, okay? And it was like, they, you know, she had tables, you know, and people were sitting at the table and they would, you know how you have a bunch of people talking, like everybody's <laughs> talking and everybody's having a good time, music's playing and, and, and people are talking and you hear stuff clinking and they're eating and this, that, the other. And I was just like, I'm standing in the corner and I'm starting to do this. And like, I just walked to her room and I was just standing in her room, like in the middle of the floor. And so she came in and she was like, you're overstimulated, huh? I was like, I can't. I, I'm sorry, I can't, I just can't. And so the whole time that everybody was there, I was standing in a room. So they kept bringing me like food and <laughs> No, and people would- and It was people, too much. No, it was too much for me. Someone would think that, someone would probably think that, oh, this person is acting, well, you know. Oh, she's stuck up or she's, you know, she's, up, or she's she doesn't you know, wanna be out here with us. She's too yeah, good. Yeah. Like, no, it was, it was just too much going on. And I was, it was, it was, it was too much, you know, and it was like, it made me feel anxious and, you know, all like, like claustrophobic and it was just too much. And so I had to go in her room, take deep breaths. I used to have a, um, a watch that when my heart, like if I got overstimulated, my heart rate would go, you know, kind of get faster and my watch would beat and tell me to take deep breaths and so I would have to stand there and take deep breaths and count it out and it's not the other and so it's just like literally you know people are like well how is it that you go and perform for you know thousands of people like you know you but they're out there and I'm on stage it's different it's not Oh my gosh. And even when I get off the stage and go out there, I've got security around me. And then, you know, I'm singing, but I'm singing. I'm not talking to them and they're not talking to me. I'm performing. It's different, you know? And so it's even when it comes to like meet and greet, you know, how do you, how are you able to do meet and greets? Because it's one person at a time. It's not you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's one person at a time and I can focus on that one person and talk to that person. And then we smile and take pictures. And I've, I've learned how to be able to, to, to do that. But even with that, I can only do it for a certain amount of time before I become overstimulated. And then it's like, you know, I'm zoning out. People are talking to me. I can't, I can't pay attention, you know, all of those different types of things. So, you know, um, and then come to find out also in addition to the Asperger's, a lot of that behavior, a lot of those, those, um, those behavioral things are also stemming from, um, from trauma. Mm. So, you know, but the more that I dealt with trauma, even though I still had these things, you know, that I did, they were less pronounced. Mm. So the trauma actually 
creates um, those same symptoms or those same behaviors, but at a more um, more pronounced way. So the more I dealt with trauma, the more that the, the less pronounced those issues became, and the more right. I was um, aware of them and know how to prepare myself for for them. Like for the longest time. I mean, throughout my entire life, I've, I struggled with eye contact, you know, and it was always this running uh, conversation on the inside of me um, telling me, okay, now you need to look at that person in the eye. And I would like, look, oh my and I look God. away. That's what he did. I, I look, yeah. 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 But, you know, and then if I if I didn't catch myself, I, it could be the opposite where I'm just staring at you. And then it's really awkward. You know what I'm saying? Because the person's looking away, like, uh, you know, so like, should I be, should I be, should I be like, what should I, what should, and, yeah. and, 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 and once again, um, this is, what takes, it's been such a fruitful, um, uh, conversation with you because it's, you know, it's real. And, um, and, I think it's just so important for people just to understand that um, we all are work in progress, you know, Absolutely. just, you know, um, striving to be uh, our better, you know, just a, a better version of ourselves. Uh, so uh, this is real. I, like I said, I, I had to ask you that because I thought it was, and now that you are explaining it, I promise you, I connect even more because I know the experience. I know everything you're talking about. As like I know from the aspect of my friends, uh, and even from the as aspect of my, you know, myself and what I've had mm -hmm. um, had to endure with, you know, um, so many people would think that, you know, they were like, "How did you come up with that?" And I, when I go to explain it, they be like, "Dude, what and why?" I'm like, "I don't, he I can't explain it to you like that." You know, yeah. it has happened to me like writing, like you know that doesn't go. I'm like. I, I, it might not go for you, but I'm telling you. But it's going to go for me. Exactly. For me. And, and that's part of the reason why people can't even really write for you. Like, no. people want to write for you. And you're like, you can't write for me because you don't see the notes like I do. And they're like, see the notes? What you mean? I see the notes and they fit and, and you don't. And so you can't write for me because you don't, you know, you don't realize that that note is blue. And they're like, wait, what? I'm like, it's blue. And you, you went red and it was blue. And they're like, what are you talking what about? What are you talking about? Then it's like, like you're gonna try that there? You're gonna put I'm like, yeah, let's just go, let's go there. Let's put that in there. Like you were, so so no, so you know, so hearing you, you you speak about this, you know, it's another part of it's another part of the connection. Like I really, you know, like I look, I'm really I, you know, um and that's why I do this. I really get an opportunity to connect with um I've just been able to connect with people um in such I feel like just a more personal and intimate uh way, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, well, I'm going to close out and, um, there is, um, a part of the podcast that I do is called, uh, freedom rounds, right? So you only have just like, just off the top of your head, top of the dome, you got to just, whatever question I ask, ask, just answer it. Don't give you too long to think about it. Okay. No, just, um, put it out. Okay. So I'm ready. Start with, um, well, let me see. What did I, what did I have for you? Um, so, who has been your um, your musical influence? Ray Charles. All right. Um, what do you do in your spare time to relax? Sleep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> if you could record with anybody um, right now in terms of collaboration, who would it be? Tina Turner. Okay. Um, your favorite, um, your favorite movie. No better blues. <gasps> I was just talking to somebody. Okay, I'm supposed to be moving on. But I was just talking to somebody the other day about more better blues. We were just talking. That is my more better make more better. <laughs> <laughs> more better make it more better. And no, don't tell me it's one of them. Either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just talking to somebody about the, that movie the other day. That's so funny. Okay. Um, so what is your guilty food pleasure? Ice cream. I just had a pint. <laughs> <laughs> After we get done with this, I'm yeah, going to eat. Like, I'm like, uh, <laughs> so this last one is, what does success mean to you? Freedom. Freedom of my time. Ah. Uh, that is so wonderful. Well, JJ, I promise you, this has been like, uh, this has been awesome. I'm so glad. <laughs> I know. I'm so glad that we got a chance to to do this. Um, and as I said before, um, I just, I love what you're doing. Um, I, I love your, your vulnerability, your authenticity. Um, you inspire me. And I think as artists so often, um, a lot of times, you know, we're moving, right? And we get a chance to to share in that way, and um, of how other artists really influence, <laughs> you know, um, what you, you know you or whatever. And so you're definitely one of those artists that I think um, your inspiration, um, your story, your grit, um, your spirit to overcome is just so empowering. And I love you. I love you for being able to showcase that. Um, so I Thank want to say that. I love you too, girl. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> for, 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 for coming on the, uh, the podcast, it means so much to me. Um, and so let everybody know where they can find you on your, you know, social uh, media platform and your website. Um, my website is www.iamjjtims.com. Um, every... <laughs> I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, uh, Snapchat, which, yeah, don't, 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 don't go looking for me on Snapchat, because it's, like, every blue moon, <laughs> like, it's, I promise, it's, you know, yeah. um, I just, I don't get on there and do the dances and stuff, I know my limitations, y'all are not about to laugh yeah. at me, <laughs> you know, I cannot remember all them dance moves, I'm not, you know, I dance like, my name is Becky, so, yeah yeah i can't mm -mm. so um but i am on all all mediums and uh you can find me on spotify and pandora i have a pandora channel and youtube of jj tim's music there um pretty much if you just google jj tim's all of that stuff will pop up and then of course if you go to my website you can find all of my social media but um the book sugar baby honey child um it is sugarbabyhoneychild.com and um uh and i'm also on instagram for that so check that out if you enjoyed this podcast don't hesitate leave me your review on itunes as well as to for more content